Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, Pastor Joel continues his study in the book of James. We're in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 24, with the message, Finding Truth in a World of Deception. I want to start by reading uh, just a, a short um, verse, but it's actually a very, very powerful uh, verse. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me, we're in a, a series in the book of James. I want to read James 1.16. It says this, James 1.16, it says, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. Out of this deep love that James has for, these, for his family that's scattered all over the world in this vulnerable place, James is writing them and saying, I do not want you to be deceived. I don't want you to think you're doing right or going the right way, but you're actually going the wrong way. You've been tricked. You've been led astray. I don't want that. Do not be deceived. Let's pray. Lord, as we gather as a worshiping community of Jesus followers that cares about each other, Lord, I know James cared about the flock as well. And so, Lord, with all the the struggles that we're all going through, the trials. Uh, some of us are in good places, and we need to be looking after other people. Like we, we all come here from very different weeks and histories and uh, things that we're carrying. Lord, would you help us um, to come together to be one body? Lord, would you give us eyes to see what you'd have for each one of us this morning? Give us ears to hear and, and hearts that would be really soft to understand. And this morning, I know that um, deception gets in and can lead us down wrong ways, and then we're so defensive when it's pointed out. So, Lord, I just pray even this morning that as we approach your word, we would be humble and that we would allow your words to shape our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a, have a seat. Actually, before we get to uh, the letter of James, uh, I have some really exciting news to tell you. Some really exciting news, because just this last week, I got a phone call, and apparently uh, somebody entered me into a comp competition or a contest of some kind, and I won. Uh, they told me I got an all-inclusive uh, five-star hotel anywhere uh, I wanted to go. I am so, isn't that awesome? I mean, anywhere I want to go. Uh, so, so I was, you know, thrilled. Obviously, uh, they just needed a little bit of a down payment, uh, so I gave them, I gave them my credit card number, and of course, they wanted to make sure it was me. So I gave them some personal information, and now I'm just waiting for the day. So I might be gone in a couple weeks uh, on this five-star vacation. Isn't that uh, great? And you might be thinking, oh, silly. No, I didn't actually fall for it. There was a scam, right? We we all know them. Uh, scam. There's somebody on the phone that's trying to deceive me out of my money, uh, it was calling and trying uh, to scam me, to deceive 
people. It's, it's almost like they have these robot calls out there that are just trying to get people on the line so they can deceive all of these people. But it, you know, it's been like that since the very beginning, right? The very first story uh, in the Bible after the creation is a story of deception. Do you, you remember that? Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, everything they need is there. God's provided everything they need, but, but one thing he says, one thing I don't want you to do, don't eat from that tree that's in the, in the middle of the garden. The, the one command. Well, it, but it happened to be one time they were near that tree, and, and the phone rang, and Eve picked it up, bring, bring, and, and someone said, did God really say uh, that you can't eat any of the trees of the garden? Like, you can't eat anything? He's trying to starve you. Did, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from that one? I mean, look at it. Looks good. Feels good, right? I mean, it's even desirous to, to make one wise. We, wanna, we all want to be wise, don't we? And, and so she reached out and grabbed it and was deceived. Hook, line, and sinker. Deceived, And if you're here this morning, you're probably thinking, I, I wouldn't fall for that phone call, and I wouldn't take that apple because I would know better. But it seems like deceptions just keep coming and coming and coming up until today. So I did a little research. The Federal Trade Commission uh, researches all the scams that are happening in our world in America. Last year, they said 83% of Americans received scam calls. 83%. How many of you have gotten some kind of scam? Email, phone call, something. Yeah, you, you know it. 2014, this might be a shocking number, but 2014, $8.6 billion was lost to scams. People were deceived out of $8.6 billion. And what, do you, what do you think? Are we more or less aware of these? Are, are we more likely to go... Maybe my extended warranty hasn't expired. <laughs> or are we, are we more or less like aware of these scams and, and, and aware to not be deceived? Well, last year, in the first six months alone, first six months, $29.8 billion lost in scams. That's the first six months. I couldn't find the second six months. I don't think it had been released yet. But I was like, wow. Over three times the amount of people. That's, just think of all the people that have been deceived. Well, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, and along with other companies as well, they publish all of these lists of things so that you won't be deceived. Uh, they publish these lists of, hey, most common deceptions out there so that you won't uh, fall for them. They, they publish these lists so that we'll know and these deception, then we can act wisely in them. In the same way that the Federal Trade Commission wants to help Americans to not be deceived with their money. Today we're going to see that James wants to help us as believers not be spiritually deceived. He doesn't want us to be tricked into thinking, uh, yeah, this is the right thing, when really it's not the right thing at all, and we're, we're led astray. And you might be here this morning thinking, well, I'm pretty confident, I'm a pretty smart uh, person, I've I kind of got some street smarts on me. I'm pretty confident that I could identify a scam if I got it on an email or a text or a phone call. I, I, could, I could recognize those. I could uncover the truth in those. But, but would you know what to look for with the spiritual deception? Would you even know what areas 
Uh, and what things are on offer that would be like, oh man, I don't want to trip up in that area because I know where that leads. Or are you aware of the spiritual deceptions? How do you even know what areas to look for? Well, that brings us back to the book of James and the letter that he wrote uh, to a group of people. He wants to help them uncover the truth of, in the world of that's just riddled with deceptions. He's writing these believer, believers, and the message will be up uh, later this week from last week, but he's writing these believers that have been dispersed, scattered throughout all the world. They're rebuilding their lives. They're off as aliens and, and refugees uh, living all these places in very vulnerable positions. And in James 1, 13 through 27, that'll be our text today, he's going to guide us through three deceptions that are common. And I just want to give us, I guess, all of a warning, because it's, it was a warning for me this week. As you listen to this, uh, as you hear the words that James uh, says, I, I'd, I'd encourage you to watch your reaction. Watch your reaction from your, from your heart, uh, from your thinking, from your behavior. Uh, because the thing is, when you've been, uh, like, you've been deceived and you're going down the wrong way and somebody shows you, your heart might be quick to defend or bristle a little bit. Um, the other statistic was that um, people 44 and under are more likely to be deceived by scams, which was interesting. But they said it's more information out there uh, about them. Also, men are more likely to be deceived than women uh, on these scams, but men report it way less. Why is, why is that? <laughs> Maybe you can tell Curtis afterwards. <laughs> there's, there's, there's something in the deception that you want to believe and you want to defend believing. So as we walk through these, I, that's my encouragement to you. Just, uh, just go in humbly and say, Lord, would you open my eyes so I can see where the truth is in this? So we'll look through three, uh, three deceptions today in our, in our text. Here's, here's deception number one. If you're taking notes, deception number one. If it feels right, it must be right. If it feels right, it must be right. I mean, those desires that you have, that God's given you, they're real, right? So, so let them shape your life. Let them shape your identity. God made you like that, so just embrace it. How could something be wrong if it feels so right? And that's how we are led astray. But James says the truth is this, starting in verse 13. James 1.13 says, uh, that's on page 950 of your pew Bibles, if you want to follow along. James 1.13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And this sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16 do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We'll stop right there. It says, Don't be deceived. Just because you want something, just because that desire is in you doesn't make it right. And, and I think on face value, we all get that, don't we? Just because you want it doesn't make it right. Just because I want to eat a half gallon of Rocky Road ice cream doesn't make it right. 
But then, you know, Safeway had this sale. I don't know if you're aware of it. 15 cents for a half gallon of ice cream. 15 cents. Who does that? I mean, if we didn't buy that, it, we'd almost be like robbing from ourselves. So of course we had, of course we had to buy it. And then the, you know, they put the kids all down to bed and we're watching Hulu. We don't have the, we have the ads still. So ads come on and some, we get a minute and a half that even tells us that, so I'm poking around the kitchen like, I want something quick and easy, just a little, little late night snack and we don't have much time. And oh, the ice cream that we bought, it's just right, it's just right there and that sounds good. I think I'll have, I think I'll have a little bit of, uh, of that ice cream. And ooh, it tastes good. And it goes down so easy. I mean, the great thing about ice cream, it doesn't even make you feel full, does it? Like you can just keep on eating it and feel good the whole, the whole time. Well, until afterwards, right? And your stomach hurts a little bit and when you keep on doing that. And if I gain 100 pounds and die of uh, heart failure, that's... Uh, that's the desire in me, and that's how it works. It moves you one little step at a time. Just, little, just a little step. You know, just a little glance, a little thought, a, a, a little uh, desire or anger or self-righteousness. Just a little lie. And those little steps, then, they give birth to action. And then that action leads you down a way. It's like a fishing hook in a fish's mouth that leads you down the way, pulls you to death and destruction. Well, I want to point out here, I think it's an, an important distinction to make, because if you're reading through James, we, we start off with these trials or tests that, that, that God says, count all joy uh, when you face these. But now we're getting to temp temptations. And so I want to make just a distinction real quick about the difference between tri a trial and a temptation. Uh, we know that God tests us. He gives us these trials, but it says here he'll never tempt us. Neither is God ever tempted. The difference in those two is the, is the purpose or the motive behind them. Uh, a test is given uh, giving you all the tools and the knowledge so that you can seed and pass the test. It's like a good teacher, right? They're going to give you all the information you need to pass the test. A temptation, on the other hand, is actually to trick or to fail or to trip you up, to lure you away from the good. In the Rooted Connections this morning, it was even a distinction between uh, a test is often uh, harder and a temptation is much easier. Wouldn't it just be easier to do, to do this? I thought that was a good observation test or a trial. God, he is never, uh, he's never going to tempt you, nor is he tempted. He always wants you to pass. He wants you to succeed. He's giving you all the tools, the knowledge, the information. It's all there so that you can uh, be successful and more confident. And you can, you can get through a test and be stronger. He's like the best teacher ever wanting you to pass. Your desires, your feelings, even your emotions should, should then not be the reason that you hold something to be good or true or a foundation or a motive for doing something. Just because it feels right doesn't mean that it is right. It says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's saying the good thing in your life, what, what you need most is actually not going to be from inside of you. Like, this is how I feel. 
It's going to come from the Father of lights. It's going to be, it should be received as like a gift. It comes down from the Father of lights who there's no changing or, or, or he, doesn't, he doesn't wake up grumpy one morning and then happy the next morning. He, he's always acting righteously and justly. He's a father who is not tossed around by emotions that you have to be like, oh, I hope he's having a good day. James says, if you don't want to be deceived, don't let your desires shape your decisions or your behavior or, or what you do. Don't let your desires uh, shape your life, but let the word of God shape your desires. Do you see the distinction? Uh, don't let your desires shape your life, your identity, what you choose to do. Let the word of God shape your desires. We should always be asking the question first, if we don't want to be deceived, what does God's word say about this? Before we ever ask, how does it feel? Am I feeling good about it? Does it sound good? We should always ask, what does God's word say to keep us from being deceived? If it feels good, it must be right. Deception number two, you just need to try harder. You need to clean yourself up. You need to do better. Be better people. Have you ever, have you ever heard that whispered in your ear? You just need to do better. You, you might have come in this morning and had that very thing whispered in your ear. You know you really messed up this week. How dare you even come in here? You should be better. You should clean yourself up. Well, here's the truth. We find it in, starting in verse 19. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. That salvation doesn't come from anything that you do. It's in the position of receiving God's word that is put inside of you that can save your soul. Verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We'll stop right there. This salvation is received. It's not worked for. It's the implanted word that is put in you that changes your heart. Uh, James tells us it's, it's just not about hearing, though. It's about doing. And I think if you're like me, when I hear doing, I automatically think, I need to do more. I need to be better. But we fail to ask the question, do what? What are we to do? Don't just be hearers, be doers. And we don't even stop to hear what we're supposed to do. We go, I got to start working and work harder. And so James, even in the letter, slows us down. Okay, I know we're going to have to unpack this a little bit, so let me give you an illustration to slow you down so that you can see what it is that I'm talking about. So, he uses something uh, like a mirror. 
And he says, here's what a hearer but not a doer does. Okay, Here's a hearer but not a doer. A hearer goes up, looks at himself, and it says at his natural face. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Natural face. It's actually the word like your birth face. It's the word Genesis. It's the, your first face, your birth face, your, your, the face that you were born with. He goes up and looks in the mirror at his uh, birth face, and then he, that's hearing, but he doesn't do. And what, what is not doing? He turns away and forgets what he looks like. Now, why do you look, why do you look in a mirror? I mean, I, I look in a mirror uh, because I'm like, I wake up in the morning and I'm my hair's a mess. I, sometimes I need to shave, brush my teeth. I look in the mirror to see, it reveals who I'm like and what I'm like, right? If, if I think, man, I'm looking really good today, but I got a, like a, this is for women, a clump of mascara in my eye, right? Or if I, I've, Boy, I missed a whole pot shaving. I look in the mirror at my natural face, and I see it reveals who, who I really am, right? So he goes from uh, there, and then he substitutes, and you'll see two words, to look. He looks into a mirror, and the second time he says he looks into two things. Do you see it? He looks into... The law. So, so what James does is he substitutes the mirror for the, the law or the instructions of the Lord. So, so now, now he's taking the illustration and he's slowing us down so that we can see. If someone looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Do you see that? He's looking into two things. Like, like someone would look into a mirror, we're looking into the law and if I look into the perfect law, what do I see? I see that I'm not good enough. I see that I'm broken and sinful. I see that I've rebelled against my Savior. I see that, boy, there are parts of my heart that are dull and cold. It reveals that I'm not perfect, right? And if you look into the perfect law of God, you will see you're not good enough. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He uses another description into the perfect law, but then he says the law of liberty. Do you see it? It's the law of freedom. So he's saying, as you come and look into the law, the perfect law, and you know, boy, I'm sinful and rebellious against my Lord, but it's also the law of liberty or the law of freedom, that in that same law, there's something about a place where those sins and burdens and shame, it's a place of freedom. There's something about the message of God's word that both tells me I'm not enough, but tells me that this is how you can be free. This is how you can be forgiven. Uh, Romans says the wages of sin is death. I'm looking at the perfect law. But the free gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the law of liberty. Now, if you take that law, then what does it mean to be a doer? So it's someone who looks, comes and looks into the law. That's a hearing thing. But then the one that acts and does actually, is, it says in the Bible, it says, is the one who perseveres. Is the one who stays Right here is the one who continually looks 
into the law. Now, now what would it be if there's one person who's a hearer and not a doer with the word of God? And this is what I think, this is what I think James is saying. You come over to the mirror, and there's really, there's probably a whole bunch of things you can do, but there's at least two things you can do. You can see it, and you go, man, I'm not looking that great today. So I turn away, and I try to clean myself up, make sure my hair's all right, make sure I've shaved everything, and then once I've cleaned myself up, I come back to the mirror and say, how do I look? Oh, I still look bad. Um, then I, I turn from the mirror and try to like wipe my face off and get myself cleaned up enough to go back in the mirror and go, oh, I'm still not there. Turn away, still try and do it. That's one way you can do it, to be a hearer of God's word and then turn away and go, oh, man, I'm really bad. So this week, be better, do better, do more. And we think, boy, this week I'm really going really to try really hard. So when I come to church on Sunday, I'll look at myself and go, oh, yeah, I'm much better this week. But, but I haven't done anything with the Word of God. That's, that's one way. The second way you can do it is you can look at the, the Word of God, you can look in the mirror, and you can see the brokenness in you, and you can just get mad. You can just say, this, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't want to look at it. Of course, aren't we all bad? I mean, seriously, that's ridiculous. I don't want anything to do with it. If I had a rock, I would throw it at this mirror and break it. I want nothing to do with this mirror. That's someone who James says, hears, but doesn't do. The hearer that does has the word of God, has the message of that condemnation that you're not good enough, You've fallen short of the glory of God that has that right in front of you. I know I'm not good enough, but you stay right there and, and, and you get to know the person who is good enough, the person who is perfect, the person who gives you forgiveness, forgives you salvation, relieves those burdens. And, and as you're staying there, persevering, having the message of the good news of Jesus ever before you, then all of a sudden when you're looking in the mirror, you look at your natural face, but then all of a sudden you're seeing this fate. You're seeing like Jesus in you. Like if you stay there and you look hard enough, then all of a sudden you see yourself in Jesus and Jesus in you. It's like this two-way mirror, right? And so that you see, oh man, that, that looks a little like Jesus there. And so as I move and act, it's not me trying to do it all on my own and then coming back and saying, am I good enough yet? It's actually Jesus in me that's shaping me, forgiving me, and making me whole. To be hearers and a doer. A doer is to stay with the message of salvation and hope ever before you. James says, because this word is you receive it. It's implanted in you, and that's what can save you. And if you stay right here, that's where you find, he says, that's where you find your blessing. It's not in how much you can do or how good you can be. It's in staying right here and letting the word transform you. We begin to look in the mirror and we see Christ in you and you in Christ. Uh, a hearer and a doer. Here's the, the good news. You don't need to be better to come to Jesus. You don't need to fix yourself up to come to Jesus. The invitation is right there, this law that's both perfect 
and freedom is, is right there. It's the same uh, instructions of God. You don't need to do better or be better. You need to come to Jesus. That's the hearing and the doing. Here's deception number three. Last one, deception number three. You've arrived. You guys all look good. You look, you look like you, you know what? You don't really have to do anything more. I mean, you guys, for those of you who have been around the church a long time, kudos, you need to just relax now. Uh, it's like you are standing in front of this mirror and you're saying to yourself, I don't look, I don't look half bad. I, I, think I've, I think I've pretty much, pretty much nailed it. I'm doing really, really well. Well, the truth is this. Look in verse 26 and 27. The truth is, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Stop right there. This word religion, I, I think as we first read it, we often think religion, that's a bad thing. But that's not the context uh, here. This word religion actually just means like the structured way of living a life that lives out your faith. It could also mean devotion. Uh, if, if someone uh, comes to the mirror and says, you know what? I'm looking pretty good. I, I, think, I've, I think I've done uh, enough. Well, just like the mirror uh, of the law reveals who you really are, your words and actions we see here reveal your heart. Your words and actions reveal your heart. If you say you're in front of the mirror, you're in front of God's law, and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. But yet your, your, your mouth, like your words are like gossipy, and they condemn people. There's like the self-righteousness. Like you're saying things that just aren't kind. And, and nice, it's like foolish and filthy talk coming out of your, just spilling out of your, your mouth. And, and Jesus says, you remember when he said that? Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. It's like this bubble that's coming out of you. He says, instead, if it's like, if you're really there and you really are devoted to this thing, uh, the, the one who's there will bridle his tongue. Bridle his tongue. When, when those words that are so powerful begin to, to gallop out of your mouth like a horse, the person whose, whose heart has been changed and is shaped, that he has the, the hope of the gospel ever before him, all of a sudden uh, it will change the way he, he speaks. A bridle is a, a piece, and I'm, not, and I'm no horseman or equestrian, but it's something they put in a horse's mouth that makes them either slow down or change directions, right? It does not make the horse perfect. It doesn't make him like never make a mistake in his directions, but that the horse will be quick to react. That when he's going the wrong way, he'll be just a little nudge and he'll be like, whoop, yep, this is the way we're going. So that, so that when your heart is fully given to Jesus, that when you're looking into the perfect law, the law of freedom, and all of a sudden you say, yeah, but isn't that guy still... Oh, yeah. Is that what Jesus would say about him? Is that how, is that how God wants me to, to talk about him? And all of a sudden, that bridle would go, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to change course of action. 
It's the heart that's overflowing with the love of God. And if your heart is overflowing with the love of God, not only, not only will you bridle your, your words and your tongue, he says it's also going to come out in this, in this passion and this care for the widows and the orphans. The widows and the orphans. The people, the fatherless and the widow. Now, orphans and widows, if, if you read the, the Bible through, orphans and widows are often connected together as those people that are the most vulnerable in society. At least in their society, they were the most vulnerable uh, in society. But what's interesting to note in, in James is that um, there's one missing, I think. Uh, because through the Bible text, if you, you get used to reading the widows, the orphans, there's always, there's always a third one. Not always, but most of the time there's a third one that goes along with that. Uh, there's a group of three of the most vulnerable. And one of them is missing here in James. Let me just read three passages from the Old Testament that give these, these group of three and see if you can find out which one it is. Deuteronomy 24.20 says, It shall be for the sojourner, or the foreigner, the alien, the fatherless, or the, the orphan, and the widow. Deuteronomy 27.19 says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the foreigner, the alien, the, the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow. Psalms 146.9 says, The Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless by the way of the wicked he brings, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So, so let me ask you, which group is missing? We can all see that, well, the sojourner, the stranger, the, the foreigner. And at first I'm like, why? Why is that one missing here? But you remember who he's writing to? He's writing to a group of people that are dispersed throughout the world. They've suffered persecution. They're rebuilding everything. He's writing to the sojourner, the foreigner, and the alien. And he doesn't say, you guys have done enough. It's, you have a hard life. We've suffered already. Just relax. Just take it easy. You guys have all arrived. He doesn't say, you've done enough. This is a heart that's genuinely changed for the Lord. It's going to care for the most vulnerable. It doesn't matter what position that you are in, how old you are, what situation you're in, how, how much you know or your experience. What's going to be spilling out of your heart is your care for the most vulnerable. So let me ask you, what's spilling out of your heart? Like if someone followed you around last week and recorded everything you said, what, what would... What would be spilling out of your heart? Could people see in your actions or your desires for the people that no one else even wants to talk to? That there's like a respect or a care for them? It does, it, and notice, it, James does not even say, hey, give them lots of money or do all this. He's just saying visit with them. See that they're there and that you're not self-looking in and be like, yeah, but I've done so much. It's really the next person's turn to do something. I've served in this way. I don't need to serve anymore. For some of us, our hearts have grown cold. We're tired and we think we've done enough. Some of you know you're broken and lost and you're turned away and you're trying to get better, be better before you can come back again. And it's just tiring. You're just tired. You think, i got to do more 
be more, be better, when really the good news is all you have to do is turn to the one who can save you, who can shape your heart, who, who can give you freedom. And remember the message of the gospel. You are saved by grace alone. Take those burdens and those cares and lay them at his feet. He says, I want you to be hearers and doers. And he's playing on a little Jew Jewish word, the word Shema. The word Shema means to hear or to do. It means both of them, to hear or to do. And so as a matter of fact, when you turn and you Shema from God, the Shemaing is the doing, the listening, and it's shaping who you become. To stay in that position, stay in the position where you can hear from the Lord and have the message of the gospel shape your heart so it overflows to other people. That's the good news. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to be people who don't come to church on Sunday, hear a good message, and then turn and forget that we've been saved by grace, that we have, we're, we're rebels, we're sinners, we were enemies of you, and yet in your care and compassion and love came down and died for us so that we could be for, forgiven and set free, that we're no longer slaves uh, to the law or the sin, but we are free to fully live out who you've created us to be. And Lord, I pray from those overflowing hearts, Lord, even from this little church and this little body in boring Oregon, that the overflow of your love would be uh, this beautiful fragrance like Jenny prayed, it would be this light of, for people that they could see there's something different in them. And Lord, as we as people, we could just be free to put our cares and our burdens and our sin before you because you've paid for it all. And let us now respond with full hearts of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.